bringing their problems to me for as long as I can remember. I have one of those faces that just says, tell me what's going on. And now I have one of those podcasts that says, go ahead, tell me what's going on. Welcome to Mess in Progress. Hey guys, and welcome to Mess in Progress with myself, Gina Brion, and my lovely co-host slash everything woman, Catherine G. Mendoza. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Catherine, say hello to the people. Hello, people. Guys, I have a new mic, Ooh. so I'm a, I'm a professional, Ooh. number one. <laughs> number two, I am so sorry that for the last however many and then whatever you listen to after this, some of them were pre-recorded and my audio was horrible. And we're, I'm also now- We're still working this out. Yeah. Obviously, Catherine's cutting the hottest album of 2020. It's uh-huh. called Quarantine. And uh, she's gonna drop. She's gonna drop the hottest hits about the quarantine. So. Right. I know everything. I'm a singer. I'm a rapper. Yeah. I'm also a parody artist. I might do a little yodeling. Just yeah. Little, you Girl, know. Do what you gotta do. You know <laughs> what I mean? Multi-talented. We are multi-talented up in here. What if I could yodel? Like, how, would you be shocked? I would be shocked. I'm not gonna lie. I would definitely be shocked. Although, like, I feel like Mexicans, when they do that little scream in, like, Mexican music, when you hear that, like, oh, when you hear that, I'm like, that's like, that's not a yodel, but y'all get close. Yeah, yeah, that's like, that's the Latino yodel. No, that's the Mexican yodel, because I'm sorry. That's the Mexican yodel, yeah. Yeah, like, I feel like if you're not Mexican and you do it, you need to make sure you're paying you're paying homage. Like it's yeah. like I'm I'm respecting. I can't you. do it right. I can't do it right. I but mm-hmm. I when I hear it, I'm like, that's pretty cool though. It is like, and you see, like you want to know what always gets me? The people who can do it, but it looks effortless. Yes. Some people you could tell they went for that full air. You know what I mean? And then other people, you're just like, oh, I could do that, and then you end up be like, <laughs> and you're like, I can't do it. <laughs> On second thought, I can't do it. I just made an ass out of myself. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. That was mad disrespectful. I thought I could do it. I do not have that superpower. I cannot make that sound. Right. I'm like, and you know, I, you know what? If there's any Mexicans or Mexican Americans listening to this, um, if there's a history to that, that yes, let us know. Let us know because I don't know. I've just always heard it from my Mexican friends and my ex's family. Like almost everybody in my ex's family could do it perfectly and that's like one of those things like when you grow up hearing it like I'm not surprised they can do it perfectly because you hear it in your music you hear your relatives do it like you know it's like my first wepa like wepa like it's your first wepa you're like oh that's how my people say it <laughs> I feel like I feel like Mexican babies come out and when they spank the booty the that's the sound they make that's <laughs> 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 the closest I could get is that little right. imitation sound when you spank we're, we're, with Puerto Ricans and Cubans is huepa. Huepa. Where Cubans is dale. Yeah, my baby is going to be half Puerto Rican, half white, so he's going to be like, weepa, as soon as they spank him. He's going to be like, weepa, everybody. I'm like, oh, I got to teach my son how to say it. I mean, I was going to say, he's probably going to say huepa and yeehaw. Yeah. It's going to be yeehaw, uh, well, we'll teach him something. <laughs> we pa, I don't, we pa, I don't, we'll have to teach him how to say it. We have to walk him through it. Girl, I got to tell you the other day, speaking of my son, my child, the craziness that he's going to have to deal with. Uh, the other day I was in my shower. Okay. The story gets sexy. I know, <laughs> no, I know, but just said this the is where my son is going to have to deal with. The other day I was in my shower. <laughs> yes. 
I'm going somewhere very G-rated, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. I was listening to dance hall music and having a legit dance off in my shower. Like mm-hmm. legit could picture myself and my son taking mommy and me dance classes and was like, yo, we about to, I literally said the words as if I was talking to my son. I went, oh, you want this smoke? Oh, you want this work? <laughs> Are you about to get this work? So hold on, hold on. You're going to take classes with him so that you can later battle him and yes. win? Yes. <laughs> I'm going to battle my son at dance hall, and I am going to whoop him mercilessly. I'm going to... <laughs> I mean, I feel like, is it weird to say I don't really know what dance hall dancing looks like? It's the only dancing that I, I would like growing up when I would go to parties in the Bronx and I would go to like either house parties or I would go to like school parties whenever they would play dance hall music. And you know, the songs like Murder, She Wrote and Action and all the songs that you would hear. um, It was the only dancing I would do. It was the only time I felt comfortable. But that's what I mean, because I'm like, when I think of dance hall, I think of like, for me, I called it reggae, right? Yes, yes. But that's when I'm like, you and your son, is about to go to a class. Have you ever seen okay. anybody like dance, like dance battle to like dance hall music or even oh, just hold on, like- hold on. I, I need a mental picture. I need a mental picture. So hold on, in this battle, in this dance off, right? Yes. You and Yeehaw Wepa. Yeah, Yeehaw Wepa. Are gonna be standing in front of each other. I'm assuming you're dancing with a partner behind you. And no, 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 chill, 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 chill. It's side by side, first of all. Okay. I'm looking at my son. Okay. Side by side. I'm like, yo, you want this smoke? Yo, you want this heat? Okay. He's like, please, mommy. Your knees can't handle it. And I'm like, oh, word. Oh, word. You're going to talk about my knees like that, son? All right, let's see. Right? And then that's when the battle, that's when the battle starts. Music kicks on. Music kicks on. You start doing the wine. Right? You don't need nobody behind you. Oh, okay. 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 Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. So, in this how do you win? What's the signature win? Oh. See, because for me, in those parties, it was like, and again, I was young, so it was the can you break him? Who can handle this? Yeah, dance? yeah, yeah. Like, can you get can you get super sucia and like now this person can't even dance no more? And in the context of mother and son battle, I've thought this out, Catherine. I've thought this out. <laughs> like you're acting like I haven't planned this out in my head. <laughs> I'm sweating. <laughs> Yo, I'm telling you, son, I'm playing this out of my head. The winner has to, like, if you've ever seen, like, I watch a lot of dance choreography. Like, I've always wanted to take a dance class. Like, that's why I want to do a Mommy and Me dance class. I've never taken a dance class. I've always wanted to. And so, not salsa, though. Not, I thought about salsa for a long time, but I'm like, salsa is so complex when you take a salsa class. Like, my sister takes salsa classes, my my older sister. And she's a beast. She's a beast when she dances salsa. I'm not a beast, yo. I could barely get by. I dance remedial salsa. Like, I have the worst salsa moves. Once you spin me, it's a wrap. I'm done. I'm out of here. (laughs) I I dance sala salsa. I call it sala salsa because it's the one you learn in the sala when they're playing Mark Anthony in the early 90s and you're sweeping. It's like two steps. Yeah, there's barely a spin. If you try to do more... I'll be like, I'm high. Yeah, I'm like, you're doing too much. Like, you're doing too much right now. This is not, this is not a dance competition right now. That's for my son, and that's going to be dance hall. This is not what we're talking about. So I've watched a lot of dance choreography, and when you watch them dance, the ones that get the biggest reaction are the ones that do some crazy move completely on beat. Okay. They do. So that's the winning move has to be like something nuts that you do that's also on beat. Okay. And that's why I feel like I'm going to get my son. 
gonna be like, you don't know BTS, son. You too little, son. Like, wait, 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 wait. So in my mind, <laughs> Yeehaw Weba. Yeah, Yeehaw Weba, yes. Was 19. Maybe no, 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 chill, chill, chill. He's like Your seven. mind. He's like seven, He's like seven oh. to eight. <laughs> wow. I ain't gonna battle a grown man. He could do too many flips. I can't, I can't, no, I can't battle a grown man. His legs is too strong. Yo. I gotta... You ain't right. You ain't right. You ain't right. <laughs> oh, I do so many weird things in the shower. Like I know people. Like I'm a I'm a shower thinker. Yeah. I'll think out loud in the shower. I'll run material in the shower. I'll accept awards in the shower. Yeah. Like oh, I've that. I've given award speeches. Like this is so amazing, and I just want to thank everybody that's on my team. Yeah. <laughs> like just with legit tears. Yeah. practicing like if you ever hear me give a speech no it was practice in the shower like if i ever win an award and you guys see me go oh it's her shower speech that's her shower speech yeah. yeah i feel like i've also everybody's done the shower argument yes um, oh my god yes yeah i've done that i've also done uh well i mean i i'm old school i have an afm radio in my shower yeah i love it i love it but only guy got Bluetooth. Whatever. Yeah, not a Bluetooth you know, speaker. <laughs> even though it has a Bluetooth feature, but it's so old at this point that it won't connect to my new phone. So I should buy a new one, but I won't. And you know what? This is how I stay connected to the tunes on the radio. This is how I do it. But I love it because it allows me to like listen to music I won't listen to. Because yeah. I don't listen to like everything that's on the charts. And I also have programmed it to all the old stations. You know what I mean? Like the- like the, the hits of the 80s, 90s. Yeah, Light yeah. FM. I've, Yo, so Light I FM though. Light FM is the shit, son. Like Light I don't know if you're not from New York. I don't know if there's Light FM other places, but Light FM is what, when I was little, like there, that was like the, the golden hits. Where yeah. now the golden hits are also apparently from the early 2010s. So yeah. <laughs> like- we're old because when you hear a song that you used to rock to and you're like oh this is on the oldie station this is on light fm now this is a classic they're like this is a classic you're like (laughs) i was like 14 something like yeah how's that a classic some of it is from like literally a decade ago and you're just like how no but i i love having my shower concerts um sometimes now i like i take i take more baths now uh it helps me so i'll also like in a bath have more existential conversations with people to myself because i know that i'm going to get into these conversations with people i just have to practice what i'm going to say do you know what i mean like i'm like i know we're going to get into this intellectual conversation on class and then i have the conversation with myself so it's every level. It's like, I don't, yeah. my shower can go in any direction, depending. Yeah, 90% of the time it's a shower concert in there. I'm putting on music. I'm singing like I'm Adele in a sold out arena. I am like killing it in my head, but mind you, killing it. Yeah. Killing it like Adele kills it. Not killing it like an average person singing, <laughs> like killing it like people are crying, throwing roses, going crazy, killing it. Oh, our guest is here. Oh, wow. <laughs> I, was, I was getting a little nervous. I was like, where's our guest at? I- wedding so please deal with this girl i can't even complain because i totally like i totally get it our guest is here <laughs> hi 
Hi, how are you? I'm good, how are you? Good. It's so it's nice to have you on. Oh my God, please. We're so excited to have you on. We're so excited to get to talk to you. Um, this is my, uh, my co-host slash one of my best girlfriends. Love her to death. Uh, Catherine Moises. Moises Catherine. Hi, Catherine. Nice to meet you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, so thank you for joining us today. Um, so uh, let's run, uh, go over a little bit of, I guess, if you can tell some of the people listening, give give your your backstory a little bit so that they know because i know your backstory because <laughs> we, <laughs> you. we had the low-key stalk you like we do all of our guests i know i i actually did the same thing with you uh <laughs> <laughs> Which is congratulations i hear there's a baby on the way <laughs> yes there is there's a little baby he's he's ready to pop he is ready to come out he is listening to this conversation now so we, we have three questions it's kind of like a rapid fire first but okay. um, to just kind of ease it out. The first one is, where are you from? The second mm -hmm. one is, what is your zodiac sign? And then the third one is, a secret talent that no one knows about you. Oh, ooh. Okay. You know, <laughs> I usually not try uh, not to keep my talent secret because I want to make money off of them. So uh, that never really happens. But I have a couple so of things. So many people know your talents. <laughs> Right? Too many people. Um, okay, first one was, where am I from? Loaded question, right? Because where are you from? It's like, well, um, how back? I was born in Mexico, so I'm Mexican born. I immigrated to the United States when I was 11 years old with my family. So um, I guess uh, you can tell, you can say that I'm Mexican American. Um, so that's one. And then um, I'm Aquarius. I'm Aquarian. Aquarius. My sister's an Aquarius. <laughs> I get along with uh, lots of Aquariuses, uh, Aquarians, and uh, and also Leos. I think like for I said, some reason we lost. For some reason we lost Catherine. I think we lost Catherine for some reason. Oh no! Hopefully she'll be able to come back, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, well, we will continue until I have to bring her back into the room. So Aquarius people, man, that's so dope. I'm yeah. Like, I'm really close to my sister. We're obsessed with zodiac signs here. I'm an Aries, Catherine is <laughs> a Cancer. All right. Ooh, my dad is a Cancer. My dad is a Cancer. Yeah? <laughs> yeah. So now let's talk. Secret the secret talent. talent. Uh, the secret talent is I think that um, not many people know Here's because Catherine. I don't Catherine, Boom, we got Catherine back. We got Catherine back. Okay, I was like, I was like, you were there one minute, and it was like, I was like, damn. He said he was an Aquarius, and Catherine bounced. I know. Did you hear that? <laughs> no, I did. You're like, I'm okay. done. I don't talk to Aquarians. That's it. I'm out of I here. Like, okay, wow, harsh. <laughs> harsh. Harsh, Catherine. Uh, we were just getting into a secret talent. Like for me, I can talk like a chipmunk, which I know it's kind of freaky. <laughs> but secret talents for you? Uh, my secret talent for me, I am. Um, I played rugby for many years. So I and I was actually pretty badass. I played in college and I played in LA for an um, for a league in, in Los Angeles. That's that's a pretty rough sport, isn't it? Rug rugby is rough. rough. Sport. It was, um, I broke a collarbone, um, a few things here and there. I have a 10 staple cut in my head. Somebody stepped on me. Oh my goodness. Big old gash. So it, it was, I mean, 
you know, I can't play rugby anymore, but I was, that was a talent that I actually developed for a while. And, uh, and I was very really good about it. I'm a, actually, I'm a small frame kind of guy. And what I loved about that sport is that like, you have to tackle using your like technical skills. So even if you're small, you have to bring those, you know, 250, you know, pounders down. Uh, and so you have to essentially wrap yourself around their legs and, you know, bring them down. Um, and it was, for me, it was kind of empowering because I, I kind of grew up not playing sports. I was a, kind of a nerd, you know, lots of good grades and being, you know, um, involved in activities, but never in sports in, in high school, for example. So when I got to college, I really wanted to explore being part of a team and a sport. But like rugby presented itself because it was so international, it was really cool. It looked really weird. Um, and also it was a club sport. Like there was no varsities, like teams really. So it's like, because by the time anyone is in college playing in the varsity team, like they're probably the best players in, you know, baseball, whatever. Like I can't, I can't learn a sport with all those, you know, like I'd be just benched. So I tried this one out and it was, it was kind of crazy and it was amazing. So. Oh, that's um, awesome. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's a really cool secret talent. Where it's I'm like, like mine is this, like I'm double jointed. So <laughs> Yeah. Well, I'm double jointed now because I broke so many things, you know. <laughs> <laughs> like, and, He's you know, I have by default. Talented arthritis because of like. <laughs> you have the most talented form of arthritis I've ever seen. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's get into like um, your actual profession. Like we said before, um, yeah. so you're a writer. Um, how did you get started as a writer, as a producer? The gimmick. The gimmick. Um, well, you know, it's a, it's. One of the things that um, I've always been drawn to is like incredible storytelling. I never remember growing up like really into Japanese animation and all of that and just living sort of identity and trying to express your story like through, you know, literature. Um, in high school, for example, that's when I sort of began really dabbling into storytelling uh, through playwriting and drama. And my, my actually, like, my best subject was math, you know, mostly because I think I got to the States, like, at such a late age. Like, I started um, school in the States in seventh grade, so it took me a minute to grasp, like, grasp the concepts of literature and English, you know, like, all of that. So I always felt insecure about that. Uh, but math, I was, like, teaching calculus, you know, and, see, you know, like, so that was, like, not a problem but when i discovered through teacher like such a great teachers i had in high school like my english teachers they were so passionate about stories and you know and they performed when they would read aloud you know so that that really it felt natural for me and started writing some plays there in college the first thing i did was like sign up for playwriting and creative writing and and ultimately, I went to Brown University, um, an Ivy League school in the East Coast. And what I was lovely about that school is that they were like very liberal when it came to curriculum and choosing classes. Basically, you had no requirement. You could just take anything, you know. <laughs> uh, and so I took anything. And even though I came in as a science major, like after like first, second semester, I was like, no, I'm not going to do that. That's, that's not my, you know, to the disappointment of my dad, who's in medicine. And um, Instead, I chose international relations because it, it sort of like a lot of majors in one. Um, but what I was really drawn to was writing and um, any kind of like artistic cinema courses. You know, I took a really incredible 
Spanish cinema course called The Making of Pedro Almodovar. And that's when I got obsessed with his work. And I really looked to him as a pioneer of cinema that I hadn't seen before. You know, and this is like a kid from California, immigrant kid who also like was discovering his own sexuality. So I, I saw this filmmaker putting like being so unapologetic about his sexuality and like pushing the boundaries of storytelling through that. And I thought like, oh my God, I really want to be like him. And um, sophomore year in, in college, like I found the summer program of literature and art in Spain. So I moved to Spain for the summer for the ultimate goal of meeting him. And it's just sort of like living in that world of, of being a, a, a filmmaker slash storyteller. And, and I kind of kind of forgot that I was there uh, for that. But towards the end of my stay, after like four months, I was not only falling in love with the boy for the very first time, but I also ran into him after coming back uh, into a party at four o'clock in the morning while he was taping All About My Mother. So that really incredible scene when they're in front of the, if you know the movie, they're in front of the uh, theater um, and then it, it sort of jumpstarts the movie. I was actually there for the taping that just randomly happened. So of course I was like, holy crap. Can we cuss in this podcast? I'm not yes. sure. Okay. Go Cause right I'm going to say, holy shit. Yeah, go right ahead. <laughs> Feel free. Boo-boo. I was like, and not only it was like so meaningful because I kind of had forgotten why I was in Spain, yeah. but also I said, here's the person that I really admire, you know, actually on set, we got to stay there for a little bit. You know, he, he said hello, but he was working. Um, and it was, you know, one of the best films that, you know, I think he's ever made. And um, after that, I think it was very clear for me that I want to be a storyteller. Um, I kept on writing. I kept on, I made like a couple of short films. And yeah. in those days, I didn't want to date myself, but like, okay, I'll date myself. Uh, <laughs> but it was like VHS. So it was like the big old cameras and I had to edit from VHS tape to VHS tape. It was horrible. But... Um, I think I still have it. I have to digitize it. Maybe like show it. When you it totally should. <laughs> I mean, it, I listen. I'm at, one of my first films is on mini DVs. Yes. So I totally get it because it's like I still have the mini DVs, and I'm like, oh, I don't want to go have to like digitize it. But it is yeah. nice to have that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's it really you really should. And I actually started doing the process of like there's a couple of people in Pasadena that do it for like to make a living out of that. They just sort of put everything on digital like in the cloud if you want to. Because, like, you know, a lot of, you know, it's, it's kind of a journal, right? It's a diary. It's a record of, if, and if you're work. a kid, of who you were then, you know? Yeah. Um, and towards the end of college, I realized, um, and this speaks to my bilinguality and my, my, my Latino background, is that even though I was at a, a writing in English, at a procedure school, like, when I would go and write in my journal, um, and I'd get emotional or upset, I would kind of switch to Spanish without noticing. And for some reason, even though the Spanish was like sixth grade level and with a bunch of errors and stuff and probably made up words, um, it felt like it was this sort of like raw, pure type of writing. And I kind of fell in love with it. Um, I, I, I sort of realized that maybe my Spanish or my roots or my identity had not been resolved because, you know, I was taken away. Like I, my parents took me away from my child. Like I remember how tragic and, and sad that was. Oh yeah. And, you were and, 11? 
I was 11. Yeah, yeah. so that's like right when you're like, I feel like I'm an adult, but you're not. And then like- Yeah, and then I hit puberty in the United States. So oh. my childhood was definitely like- Puberty in the oh, United States. Child, and then like words. I started puberty in the US. So it was just like, it was so- <laughs> You're in a new place. You're going through everything hormonally. And like you're, and also trying to adjust to this new culture, this new environment that you're in. Like I can't imagine as a kid how frustrating that must have been. Yeah, you know, like we make the best out of it. But I did, I do remember that very vividly because I was still kind of very self-aware. It's the first time that I was aware about like my brownness. You know, um, it wasn't the case growing up in Mexico, right? So being in a in a place I didn't actually we started uh, we landed in Loyalton California which is a sort of small um, uh, town near Lake Tahoe in the Sierra Nevadas of California and then then we moved to Central California where there was a lot more brown um, you know population and so you know more Latinos more Mexican-American people more immigrants so that actual switch I encountered that by moving from where there's not that many Latinos to a lot there was the level of racism and prejudice kind of like just was like a lot more alarming as a eighth grader, for example. Oh, I bet. You know, and so that was a little shock and it took me a bit to recover from that. Um, and like, you know, the best way that I could, that I was able to do it was just like, oh, get good grades and, you know, yeah. um, get the hell out of here. When yeah, as you can. Yeah, I'm gonna get out of here. So let me plan my escape. So when the time came to get the hell out of there, I was like, do I go to Berkeley or did I go to the Providence Rhode Island like Brown? He's like, I am going to Brown, you know? But that's a whole different dynamic. I actually, for the very first time, I got to know like all the other kind of Latinos that were out there, you know? And that was kind of really wonderful because then I was able to have similar experiences with people that kind of looked like me and kind of had some sort of same background and and that was encouraging you know that really was wonderful uh, but at the end of the day um i must have been um very insecure about trying to write books or trying to write in english uh that i decided after college to move to paris to write the great mexican novel in Spanish. <laughs> oh, wow. So it's like, how, why did, you know, in retrospect, that was probably more insane than actually writing something in English because I, not only I had to teach myself how to write in Spanish at a literary level, but also like I had moved to a, like a French speaking country. Well, I mean, you know, I was insane. I like, I thought like all the great writers, the Latin American writers always like, you know, and even the American writers, they all end up in Paris. So it's, it's sort of a rites of passage. So like, you know, you have to. Of course, my immigrant parents were like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> you want to be French? I'm like, I don't want to be French. <laughs> but that's where my muse is. That's where gotta my muse is. Gotta go. I have to go there. So, so I, you, go ahead. Like with that, like I just think about like when with those writing experiences, how did that lead into like writers, for instance? So. Recently, we spoke to um, Tanya Saracho and Gloria Calderon about being in a writer's room and, you know, what it feels like to be the other in a room. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, that we're, we're, we're very much interested in what that feels like because 
I, a lot of people don't have that experience, right? Like just in general, um, people who are Latino being in a room, how has that been for you in general? Yeah. Well, look, you know, writing that book and that novel in Spanish actually opened a lot of doors and eventually went back to screenwriting and um, taking those classes, I wrote a pilot and that opened also a lot of doors and it got me my first job as uh, in TV and that was for John Ridley's American Crime, season three. And, you know, John really is a visionary. John really, you know, won the Oscar for 12 years of slave, but he was very adamant about having diversity at all levels. You know, I was not the only Latino in the room. I was one of two Latinos in the room with mostly a um, diverse uh, writer's room. So, in fact, I've actually never experienced what Tanya experienced, like being the only one of color or the only Latina in the room. That's amazing. Wow, that's actually incredible because we hear the stories all the time about I was the only Latino there. I was the only one that understood my culture. I had to correct people all the time. So it must have been refreshing to have that kind of room, to have mm -hmm. those, to feel like you could connect with people on a cultural level as well as on a professional writing level. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I mean, I was, just to clarify, I was definitely the only Latino and um, star, um, Lee Daniels, oh, okay. but it was, you know, a mostly diverse, mostly black room. Uh, and, you know, very, you know, female driven. And so it was, um, and it, I may have been the only Latino, but it was a different sort of space. You know, it wasn't a space where like, um, you know, diversity was not, <laughs> uh, you know, it, 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 they cared about it. It was important. Um, and so I, ha I have been very lucky in that sense that like the people that have opened a lot of doors come from a very diverse background and specifically um, there have been black creators, you yeah. know? So there is that importance um, that about the intersectionality of it, about like, you know, black rights, black lives matter. Like it's like it, we're all part of the same ecosystem um, in the sense that like, if, if one group like rises, we all rise, you know? And that in, in my experience, Black creators have given me um, all the opportunities that helped me break into television. Wow. So as a way of, you know, paying that back, I make sure that like moving forward, my rooms are diverse and, you know, a lot of representation. Even with, with Selena and, you know, it was a Latinx room, but there was, you know, there was, I, I had an Afro-Latina writer, like there was like, diversity within the Latinx like umbrella, right? Because we all come from very different backgrounds, yeah. racially, ethnically, um, you know, uh, generational. So um, I, I can't really speak to that. The only thing I can speak to is, of course, that the numbers don't lie. You know, the fact that like that many Latinos are being hired in rooms, even when the stories are about Latinos. <laughs> Yeah, that's the craziest of... <laughs> part is that it'll be a story about a Latino and there's not one Latino writer in the room. And you're like, right, where right. are you I getting mean... your information? <laughs> yeah. So it's like, you know, the, the numbers don't lie. I mean, yeah. you can track those numbers and you see that the Latinos and people of color are not getting the opportunities. to deserve, Even when, the, when, you know, the stories in the shows are about themselves. So it's like, I feel like things are changing. But I also do agree that, 
uh, people with a diverse background, people of color that are in the creator decision making decision are going to be able to are more likely to hire people of color. Yeah. Um, it happened for me and it's going to happen in the future. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, I love that you brought up because we were going to bring up Selena the series. Yeah. So, <laughs> we want to go OD, but we wanted to bring it up. <laughs> so for anybody who's like listening to this, um, so you are the uh, creator, the writer, the showrunner of the series. And um, so, yeah, it's uh, on Netflix. That's like a big deal. Um, <laughs> me, myself and Gina know this. I'm a huge Selena fan. I even wore this. Trust no one. Trust. Oh God. <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> For those of you who can't see, Catherine is wearing the only Selena shirt that needs to exist. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, we want to get into that and like how big that is in general. Um, but you know, just hearing you say for starters that your room um, was also a representation. Um, of the diaspora in general like that's just awesome because you're giving experiences to other people who won't have to have the experiences that were like no i didn't have um a great experience walking into the industry or one of my first jobs so that's amazing but can you yeah. tell us more about it like just in general well um because um i can't really talk about it too much <laughs> <laughs> I can't give you too many details, uh, you know, because uh, we're working still on it and, you know, um, we want to make sure that when we do reveal that it's like, yay, a big reveal. <laughs> um, but uh, I can speak to about, you know, um, the inspiration behind it and I can speak about the room and speak about how that worked out. Um, you know, one of the things that I found very um uh, just incredible. It's just, first of all, having the opportunity to tell the story, right? It's like, she's such an incredible role model. Um, and, you know, a Mexican American icon and that the transcended borders and it's global appeal. And it's just, she's so endearing to us. And it's, and, uh, you know, having to feel the pressure of making sure that everyone's going to be happy with the story that we're going to tell. Um, you know, I, it, this is a, um, this is a story that is, uh, we're telling with the blessing of the Quintanilla family. Yeah. Um, and so that, that's actually really huge and really important. Um, yeah. uh, this is, uh, a, a story that Campanario, uh, a Latinx production company at Shepherd, and also that Netflix gave us the, um, the, you know, great opportunity to put it on the screen because for me, it was like a TV show about Selena. That's like a no-brainer. Like, right? Like, why, yeah. who would, why wouldn't we do the next thing? And um, it actually was kind of difficult, I think, you know, because um, I guess a lot of people didn't see it. Uh, that just sort of speaks to, like, you know, what as a Latino community we value that is really, really important. And she's, like, one of those quintessential things that, like, yeah you know, it, it, it's meaningful. Like I remember growing up with her, like, and hearing her yeah. music and like being part of my existence. And then like when she was taken away, um, it was kind of shocking. And also when she started, like when they released, you know, the album Dreaming of You, and then like my wife friends were listening to that and like it was their favorite song and stuff. Like I was actually kind of mad. <laughs> 
I think I a lot of people were culturally upset, like like that <laughs> she belonged to us. Well, I think I think mostly because she was gone. So yeah. if yeah. she yes. would still been around, then it would have made sense because she would have been um, doing that crossover, right? Yeah, yeah like we we were part we would have been part of that journey, right? Exactly. But it just yeah. felt like we were robbed of that journey yeah. because oh, yeah. as like you know. Speaking for myself, like sometimes like feeling that I don't belong or I'm too brown, too immigrant, too gay, whatever it is, like having someone that is crossing over into mainstream that can conquer both worlds, that is part of that same like dual reality that you're part of, like really spoke to me. It's no accident that like I had to succeed um, by publishing a novel in Spanish in Mexico and getting a book tour there before I felt confident or before I could actually try to break in into the English language world, you know, which is something that like it's parallel to her experience. So it's like a lot of times and, you know, now that with the whole like a scandal about like the publishing world and how not that many Latinos get published and, and, uh, and the people that, you know, tell the stories are not even coming from, <laughs> you know our pov and then it's like that's probably that sort of confirms like the fear that we all feel like those those opportunities are not there for us and selena was actually teaching us and letting us know through her gracious wholesome incredible like soul that this is possible so um i think it touches everyone's heart you know uh and this is a a very aspirational like very inspirational like uh, show uh, because I think we deserve to see families that look like us succeed and achieve that our dream um, and it is the story about the family as well because like they did it together right yeah um, there was his father and his mother that believed in their kids talents you know um, and they were talented you know with a sister in the drums the brother being the musical genius and producer of all their music they did it as a family. And I think that's like the quintessential American dream. If it's not like what is, you know, yeah. uh, that's, that's, that, that's the approach to this show. That's, that's what, you know, hopefully people will, will get inspired even more because Selena is already inspiring. I mean, yeah. so many years later, she's more relevant than ever. Her, her music still touches her, her like smile, her like kindness yeah. is still part of us. And so she's here to stay no matter what, show or not, you know? Yeah. But I think this hopefully will shine like light onto like those details that like right. we never got to experience. Was there um, any fear that, you know, you would be, because I know Selena fans are no joke. Like Selena fans are no joke, man. They are like, like I'm a Mariah Carey fan and we're just as bad. But like <laughs> Selena fans, was there any fear or worry that they would come at you or they would judge it harshly? Yeah. I think that um, you always run the risk of a certain group not being 100% happy. Um, and one of the things that I've learned is to like be fearless because like, you know, taking risks, being bold is, you know, it, it, it is favored. You know, um, however, um, I just can't emphasize how passionate people are um, about this project that participated in this project. Um, the writers, like, you know, it's like this is 
meaningful to them. You know, this is like a once in a lifetime opportunity. Um, the director, um, Hiromi Kamata, who is also of Japanese Mexican descent, identifies with her. She was able to bring that duality to, to that. And she was incredible, you know, and it was important that it was a female director, you know, and, um, and, the, and the producers and everyone that's been involved has put their heart and soul in this. And sure, I mean, and, well, I don't know, we might, there's always going to be those trolls that are going to be like, no, you know, but I think well, what I, we're going to. I would have a question about like what um, anybody who might ask, like after having the movie and it being such a staple, what is going to be different about the movie than, for instance, the series? Like we, you have way more space to tell a story, right? Like more time. Um, but what would make them different? Because, you know, the teasers really don't give us much, but what would, in it, like in general, what can we um, expect? Um, I know you can't tell much too much about the story, but I think that like, that's really interesting for people to like wonder, especially fans. Well, I think that what you're going to see that there's like actually two completely different takes. I think we do have to, you know, I mean, the J-Lo, um, you know, Selena, like that's such an iconic movie. It's mm -hmm. really impossible to compare ourselves to that because once, you know, especially because of the, its legacy and Gregory Nava did an incredible job and it happened also in collaboration with the family and um, it sort of set the bar. But, you know, we couldn't, we couldn't sort of just focus on like, oh, are we going to be better? Are we going to like do it justice? Because Selena's story and the Quintanilla family story is so, um, it's such a, lost my thing. <laughs> it's, it's such an incredible story that, um, that with all the episodes and having a series, like we're slowing everything down. You know, we're going to have to, we're going to savor like those moments even more. We're gonna go a little deeper into how uh, she became who she became, you know, and why and like, and you know, it's, it's also like the family's journey too. So, because they were all inseparable for so long to the very end that like, we're gonna, we're really gonna go and take a closer look at those relationships, you know? And I think people are gonna be really happy to get a glimpse of what that was like you know, um, throughout their entire career. So, I mean, that's, that's I think, what's exciting, um, that um, we're going to be able to tell more an in-depth story that, like, it's never been put to, in, you know, in, a, in this kind of format before, so. Yeah, I mean, we, um, me and my sister talk about this a lot because when we were little and we would have sala concerts, you know, my sister was always Selena, but I had to be um, either Suzette, or Pete. This was how she assigned us. I either was one of the two. I don't know why it was Pete and not AB, but whatever. Um, <laughs> I see you feel a certain type of way about that, Catherine. I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. So I'm Suzette. I do, I can do with Suzette, but AB's her brother. Like, and she was like, or you can be Pete. And I was like, I like Pete, but I want to be AB if I'm not going <laughs> to. My point is, I never got to play Selena. Um, because, I know, but because of that, I was always interested in like learning about Suzette and learning about AB because, you know, the movie could tell you about, um, uh, you know, AB Senior, they can tell you about Selena, but you don't know 
um, a little bit more about Suzette. You don't get to know a little bit more about mm -hmm. these other people that were not only pinnacle in her life, but, um, you know, ABP, Rick, all of them were songwriters. Literally, the songs that we listened to, people credit it to Selena not realizing who wrote these. Yeah. And they're these people. So do we get that chance? I'm assuming that's what is going to be tackled. Yes, ma'am. She's excited. Yes, oh, look at this. Catherine is excited now. <laughs> yes, ma'am. And I think, you know, that's a lot of, like, uh, that kind of relationship a lot of people don't know. There's Suzette and Selena that were best friends. I mean, they're each other's best friends. Yeah. And that relationship. And A.B. being this musical genius that, you know, came up with this new fusions of songs and combined cube, uh, cumbia with a lot of, like, you know, Latino sounds and and ha the process of doing that. So I think you're going to see all of that. And I hopefully you won't be disappointed for sure. <laughs> we do have one question and we know you can't say too much, but this was something that was very interesting about with as much space as you're going to have having a series. Yeah. Um, the film came out uh, about, a, about a year or so after she passed. It, that means it was being shot about a year after she passed. Yeah. So the, the, the way that they portrayed her actual death was very delicate. And I understood why in proximity to her death. But, um, you know, with 20 plus years, I was just curious because, you know, there have been other, like, um, I think that for the first 10 years, literally Univision talked about La Muerte de Selena, and they would tell you the story over and over again. But... In, in the way that the death is tackled, will people who are new fans get to know like more about actually what happened on that day? I guess not! Because <laughs> 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 um, they're like, why am I giving the you know? <laughs> well, it's clear that that's part of her story. Uh, but, you know, I think we're just going to have to wait and see. <laughs> Uh, but I, I just want to emphasize that, like, I want to make sure that uh, for me it was important, and, it was, and of course it was ten times even more important for the family. Like, focus on like, like on the positive aspect of this journey. And this is like, this is if it weren't for that, this would have been the like even a bigger American dream that we could, you know. Like now we're living it like post-mortem, like after Selena passed away 25 years. But could you imagine if she was still around? I think she would have been the Beyonce, like our Latina Beyonce. Like, she would have been doubt, you know? I say that constantly. Um, first off, Beyonce talks about like, um, has talked about being inspired by Selena. Yeah. But That's I right. also think that people don't realize there is no equivalent. Like Delos yeah. in her lane, right? Like you think of Shakira in her lane. But what Selena was carving has not been redone, like, at all. Yeah, I mean, she was, like, already doing things that it took people a minute to realize. Her own fashion line, her own perfume, her own, like, you know, she was already thinking of, like, an entrepreneurial aspect of, like, who the Selena is. And she was really, like, you know, a lot of aspects about her that we don't know are, are just incredible to discover, um, you know, so many years later, because it also kind of heartbreaking because you're like, yeah, yeah. if you know, if she would have been giving that opportunity to just, you know, go to those like levels, um, like the Beyonces of the world, like, and you know, and be that that individual, you know, because like I J Lo to me, I think it's the closest, and I think it's you know, she has become like you know our Latina. 
but I haven't seen that in the Mexican American sort of like yeah. war, like kind of POV um, and or like role model. And I think like Latina, uh, uh, Selena was carving that way back then. Um, yeah. And so it, it, it would have been amazing to see have seen that star, you know, yeah. right, like, you know, but you know, still grateful for at least having the opportunity to have had her in our lives and still inspire each and every one of us. Yeah. Um, oh, so we have a little game that we're going to play. Oh, man. <laughs> More? I'm, I'm going to fail this game. <laughs> I'm going to okay. listen patiently while the Selena fans go ahead and you guys. <laughs> um, so it's, uh, it's a little music trivia. Oh, no, no. <laughs> I am like the worst. I still, I mean, like, I've listened to Bidi Bambam 150 times, probably That's more. My but like, <laughs> That's but my don't do this to me. <laughs> I'm probably going to fail and, like, sound like such a dumbass, but okay, go. <laughs> um, uh, so, yeah, because, um, you know, like, we, I, I, t- I told you, very big fan. So when it comes to the music, I'm like, my sister obsessively makes us watch her concerts for every holiday. So I, it's, it's ridiculous. So okay. music, music trivia, um, name that song. Okay. So the lyrics are, um, tu eres el dueño de mi cariño, tu eres quien quiero que esté conmigo, nunca te alejes, no me canses de tu dolor. What's the name? Is this a Selena song? It is. Ah, uh, tu eres el dueño de... You went deep, girl. You went deep. That sounds like an old song. Uh, I don't know. Do you know? Which one was it? Girl, I just told you, Beady Beady Bum Bum was a song I had on repeat. <laughs> okay, what? So it's Which a, one was it? It's, um, um, it's called Ven Contigo. It's also the name. Oh, of yeah, that. yeah, yeah. You know what? Love that song, but that's not what the one I listen to on repeat, so. <laughs> You went deep. You went deep. Yeah. I want to talk about. I want to talk about that song because that actually was a really cool song that I think was produced with David Lee Garza. Uh, there was a collaboration to make that happen. So there was a couple of sounds when they were still trying out new things, mm-hmm. and that actually was probably one of her biggest like first like uh, albums that created a lot of buzz. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's her second album. Um, the, with the label. Yeah, yeah, it was the second album with the label, but it was like, it took him to like even bigger, you know, higher places for sure. Oh my God, you're the worst. This just embarrassing. <laughs> this is embarrassing. Like, Look at her sneaky little... I would not be doing my sister justice if... Because the thing is, if my sister is the type to go, if you quote Amor Prohibido, you went easy. Because everybody knows yeah, they're in the like, at this point, even Techno Cumbia, I'm like, yeah, Techno like, Cumbia, yeah. a lot of people know. <laughs> I'm like that yeah. with um with Celia Cruz trivia. I'm like, if, if you if you go easy, like if you go too easy with Celia Cruz because she became such a staple that I'm, I mean, I don't know white people that listen to Celia Cruz that would yeah. know her music, and I'm like, all right, well, do you know? This <laughs> like, I can't, I get real like, oh, forget it with Mariah trivia. Child, I'll no, bring up Mariah about... songs you didn't know existed. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, well, you just embarrassed me in your podcast. Oh, no. we, play <laughs> we have other ones. We have other questions. Do you not do you want to take this one? I want to take this one. This this next question. Oh yeah. Lord Jesus. Uh, for the trivia? Yes. 
Oh man. All right. This next one is okay. What what Selena song did the Pretenders back on the chain gang inspire? Um. Yeah, I know which one is that. Like it was not can't come up with it. it was like in the more Video album. It was. Holy crap! We wrote a whole episode about it. <laughs> It was really easy. I it think was, you know the sound to make it easy. Yeah, I do know the song. It okay. was, um, I can't think of the title right okay, now. I'm going to give you the sound so, and it's going to come to you. So it's. Think yeah, about yeah, 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 yeah. Um, <laughs> yes! I was looking at the answer and I'm like, oh, he's going to get this. I see it in his eyes. He's going to get this. Yeah, it's like, it starts with an F. And I'm like, this is the problem with trivia. I never play trivia games. Because even though I know the information, like, I get, like, stage fright. So, <laughs> my husband tortures me with trivia games because he's so good at trivia. And I am, like, the worst at remembering stuff. Like, literally any trivia game I've done good at, I've guessed like half the answers and I'm like I'm just a really oh. good guesser you guys I uh, know I'm really good at charades like let's do a charade <laughs> <laughs> let's just do a charade I think I don't think that would work for a podcast right <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of people would be mad <laughs> we did I mean, like, right what now. is he doing he's just like playly no it's like oh he's doing Amor Prohibido <laughs> he's doing Amor Prohibido there it is it's right there <laughs> Um, now I feel like the other one's going to be a little too hard. Do you want to still continue? Uh, I know. Embarrass me further. Go on. <laughs> I should have um, been prepared. I should have I should have been, like, ready to go with my album titles and stuff. <laughs> okay, so this is another finish the lyrics. Um, uh, finish the lyrics. Uh, you know how bad I am in karaoke? <laughs> even if they're in front of me, I wouldn't even be able to do that. <laughs> Finish the lyric. I love karaoke, by the way. You just said karaoke, and my heart skipped a beat. I was like, I miss karaoke. <laughs> um, oh, God. Okay, finish the lyric. <laughs> Holy crap. <laughs> um, okay, okay. So, um, this one is, Necesito tus besitos cada noche cada día. Dime, amorcito, que yo soy tu alegría. Dime, cariñito, que yo soy la dueña de... Tu corazón. That's Besitos from the Selena album, first label album. Yes. Yeah. You nailed it. You were so nervous. Yeah. Like, Written by Pita Studio as well in collaboration with AB. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Yo, you nailed it. That was great. See? It's like it's like one of those when you go, I'm I'm so nervous, I'm not gonna do this well, and then you end up doing it really well and you're like, I know what yeah, Or like somebody that's like, you know what, I can't even sing, and then they grab the microphone and it's like oh, uh, I can't sing. Started. No, I can't no. sing. Hey. Hey. All right. That was great. Okay, well, two out of three. Two out of three. That's not too bad. Ven conmigo was like, that was a low. That was a low, you know, because like, it's a good song, but, you know, that was, that was deep. That was, deep. I thought you wouldn't go back to the 80s. And you know, it's just like, oh, I don't know. Oh, no, no. When she asked me what my favorite Selena song was, like, we were talking about this episode, and I, the, the first one you mentioned, Bidi Bidi Bum Bum, was the one that I loved so much. That one, mm. I, I fell in love with that. I had that, that song on repeat. And then when she sang in English, I was blown away i was blown away by dreaming of you yeah. and, and so many people were sweating that song but to me it just had a special meaning because it was her singing in english and it was so beautiful it was such a pretty song and 
it just when I hear her music, it just brings me back. It really does. Yeah. Um, what is your favorite song? Um, English or Spanish? <laughs> favorite Selena song. It doesn't matter. Um, Cobarde. Cobarde. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, Catherine? That's you did it. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it's either that. It depends, like, literally, now that I've gotten drunker. When I was little, I liked them, but now that I've gotten drunker and older, me and my sister in our moods go out of there, but then we always have to follow it up with Si La Quieres, because I feel like those... La Quieres? You mean Si Una Vez? No, Si La Quieres. Oh, wow. I don't remember that one. But if you really listen to some of these, the Her Heartbreak songs, you can literally put them in order, and you go, is she talking? Are they talking about the same person? Because it really feels like... Somebody wrote Si La Quieres because it's literally a song about like, if you want, if you care about her, be with her. And then right after was like, nah, you know what? He's a cobarde. I don't care. <laughs> Change my mind. Change my mind. Change my mind. <laughs> you whack. I don't want nothing to do with you. You were not supposed yeah, to what I told you to do. <laughs> Speaking of whackness, we do have a, a segment of the show that we call Dear Gina that um, I want to jump into before we run out of time here. Uh, and the people write into the show and they it's an uh, advice segment. Essentially, people write in and we give them advice. <laughs> Love Uh-oh, your facial okay. expressions. You're like, oh, no. We're gonna I'm give- not in the business of giving advice, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> this one is a pretty interesting one. So here's our Dear Gina for today. We'll all take a shot at it. Um, dear Gina, how, how do you tell your partner the sex is whack? Okay. Mm. I know most people are delicate with this, but I'm a savage. So (laughs) I will literally tell somebody that their sex is whack. For instance, when I was dating, before I got married, I was, you know, I was casually dating and there was a guy that, you know, we were kind of a friends with benefits situation. And (laughs) one time he asked me over dinner, he was like, I can't ever tell if you'd had an orgasm. And I went, no, you can't. Because I've never had one with you. And it was, I was that honest with that person because I feel like, look, their game is not going to get any better if you coddle them. Like, it's not, the sex is not going to get any better if you baby them through the conversation. You got to be real with somebody and be like, I don't like that. I like this. I don't like that. I like this. I think that's the best way to kind of get through that conversation. Okay. Okay. All right. Okay. She's the mean daddy. I'm going to be the good mommy. Uh, <laughs> all right. So this is what I would do. I would take, I mean, I think it all depends on where your, your relationship is with your partner. And if you're in a place where you want to take it to the next level or if, if it's worth having this conversation, then sit down, have a conversation, talk about your sexual needs and how this partner can like meet those sexual needs and ask a couple of questions how they feel about meeting those sexual needs. And then I think all of those answers will tell you whether that person wants to, has other issues that they need to work out, or whether that you're definitely not sexually compatible. But if you do love them and you want to stay with them, I think you take it to the next level, then should we bring a third person to meet those sexual needs? And then I I like your methods. (laughs) Because, you know, they're still there. So what do we do? I just happen to have a very detailed list of possible people. <laughs> I know you don't know the name or two does down, but he's really hot. <laughs> 
He's really hot and such a nice person. I just think you could... <laughs> and I just know that he's going to be able to do it well for me. Oh my God, that was great. <laughs> that is great advice. That really was. Uh, you're, you are the good mommy. Um, <laughs> Catherine, what do you have to say? Because I feel like the savage is about to come out. Catherine? I'm not going to be a savage. I'm not going to be a savage. Because here's the thing. And this may be um, just in general based off the people I know and like the, the sexual, sexual experiences um, that most of the women I know have had with men, which is about uh, understanding your body and then your, the curve. So for instance, if for a woman, if the woman doesn't even understand her body yet, mm. I'm sorry, like I teach people who I am. Like I don't expect the first time for them to always get it because it's the first time. I also don't get you fully, right? But if you are deep in and you've just not been speaking up, you have to be nice. You have to be courteous because at the end of the day, you need to tell somebody, listen, I'm sorry that I haven't said anything, but maybe I would like a little more of this, like, like what Moises said, right? Or sometimes in the act, knowing how and when to say things, you know what I mean? Because I don't have a problem telling you like in that moment, like, you know, to the left, you know what I mean? I don't have a problem doing that. To the left, I'm just saying, because sometimes um, it's just like, for me, I'm like, I also understand that things people don't, people, well, most hetero cis men think that what worked with the last girl We'll work, work with you with me and i'm like okay cool that's cute but no and i can either <laughs> spend waste my time or i can tell you and in that moment that person if they have a problem with you telling them that then you shouldn't be sleeping with them exactly yeah, yeah. i think if, if you're not even having the communication to be able to speak about it i think that's just actually that's a that's a deeper issue right you know, so. right you have to have that comfort level with somebody to be able to tell them like, hey, this is what I need. Right. What yeah. I need. This is what I like. Like and a lot of people don't talk about sex very openly, especially in the beginning of a relationship. And I think that's a big mistake because they don't tell people what will make them happy sexually. Right. Because mm -hmm. we're, we're still, we have that stigma of oh, don't talk about sex. Oh, it's so dirty. It's so this. It's like, you're not supposed mm -hmm. to say somebody should just know. Like how, how should they just know? Yeah. You're not a mind reader. What are you going to be like, ew, like in the middle of doing something like, ew, stop that. That's yeah. gross. <laughs> like nobody's going to do that. Not right. while you're in the act. Right. right. And it's like sex is it's part of who you are. And if you don't address it, if you're on honest about it, if you don't try to discover it on your own, like you're kind of denying yourself of that part of yourself, but also like you're denying it to your partner. So like, you know, it's all about being authentic in a relationship. And I think that's a huge part of it for sure. So, and then it's also assuming that like, it's bad, right? Cause it's like, are they, cause th this person said the sex is whack, but yeah. are they whack or are they just not like up to speed? To what Are they not informed? Like, right. Like for instance, and I had this conversation with somebody once, which was about them pleasing themselves while in sexual acts, yeah. right? and feeling embarrassed to do that so that their partner doesn't feel like, oh, am I not pleasing you enough? And I'm like, okay, first off, why are you worried about whether, you know, they're gonna feel that? If they're gonna say that, again- You shouldn't be with that person. 
It feels yeah. me for wanting my ultimate pleasure. <laughs> like, yeah. why is this bothering you? Uh, you know what I mean? I feel like if you're with somebody who you're uh, you're worried about offending. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. That, that's a, then you guys haven't had a mature conversation about um, sexuality and everything, which needs to be on the table. It needs to be on the table. <laughs> and the, or the rug or the couch. Yes, <laughs> on the table or in the shower. Switch it up, honey. Switch it up. <laughs> in the kitchen counter. I mean, wherever you guys can go. How athletic are you? <laughs> can you do it in the car? Are you a contortionist? I, I have mean, bad knees. Be let's considered. talk about it. Let's talk right. about it. <laughs> <laughs> have a whole conversation. What do you want to? Oh, sure, sure. And if it's still whack after that, then that's bad. Yeah, yeah, then maybe that's, take a look at yourself, right? That's, that's <laughs> when you bring in a third. That's when you bring the, that when you bring the party home. I'm still obsessed with this idea of bringing in a third. <laughs> I'm like, let's bring in a pinch hitter. <laughs> we can. Oh, um, before we get out of here, let's first, first, what is your favorite Selena song? Before oh, yeah. My favorite Selena song, it's a, it's a, it's a tough call because it was like, I feel like there's a, two or three songs up there that I could just listen forever. Yeah. Um, but if I had to choose, um, there's nothing like Bidi Bomba. Bidi Bidi Bomba. That it's like, so much. It's like, I, at some I think at the, uh, during the process that I went a few uh, months with like having Bidi Bam Bam as my waking up alarm I in the morning. It. I love it. It's just like, it's just such a fucking good mood. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that like, it's just like, oh my gosh, it's the quintessential song to just like, amazing. Um, but if I had to go on the dramatic side, like my sister Catherine down here, um, <laughs> I would probably pick Siuna Vez for sure because oh, yeah. that is the sort of like Siuna Vez, like I told you I loved you, like mm-mm. <laughs> yes. I, I just I, love to sing that to my exes. <laughs> <laughs> Even though they don't know that I exist, but you know, in case they hear Fine. me out. <laughs> just in case, in case that thought comes up, it's like, hmm, well, I have a song just for this occasion. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, so I, well, I can't sing for my life, but of course I, not, yeah. that song is, um, I, I know that all the like video clips I've ever seen of her singing it, she always brought somebody on stage, like a man, and then would like sing it to him. So I have this, fa this like vision that I want. Is it, is it that song? That que sera. What? It's que sera. No, not que sera. Um, que creía. Uh, Que creías. Yes! Que creías. Oh my God. Que creías. Yes! It's one of those, I, you just want to sing that in front of somebody, like an ex, and you just want to get it off your chest. But what's so interesting is how young she was. So you wonder, like, the passion that she came from. It's, that's talent. That's where, like. That is talent. She was yeah. channeling full on, like, passionate chat. Like, I don't, I mean, I think at the time, like, I don't, you know, she was so young, so she wasn't, hadn't really experienced that, like, heartbreak, really, you know? Yeah. And, um, and I think that's what she brings, like, like, that's so authentic and so much talent, but, like, that is so incredible to see those videos when she oh does that gosh. to people. And it is, actually, you know, I did that once on karaoke, and I'm a terrible singer. 
but it does like once you start singing those lyrics it doesn't matter because you're basically bitching someone out you yeah. know oh with my like heart yes. <laughs> passion if you have no passion in it like yeah. just my yeah. favorite song that's like that is actually by la india and it's este hombre i don't know if you've that's heard cool. that song Ooh, 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 ooh. I hear that song and I'm like, I have mm. exactly, I know who this song is for. <laughs> like, I know who this song is for. I think she wrote it thinking, like, Gina's going to love this joint. Like, I just know. <laughs> I feel like she knew I was going to love that joint. If you haven't heard the song, go listen to it. It's it's a wonderful, angry, angry woman song to listen to. Um, before we get out of here, Moises, tell everybody where they can find you. Any Anything you want to shout out, go right ahead. Just tell everybody where they can find you on social media. So that they can um, learn um, about the loveliness of you. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram is the same handle, Moises the Writer. And, you know, uh, we're, sitting, we're starting to start, you know, talking about the show. Selena, so I'm really excited about being able to share that with you when it comes out. Can't say what specific date, but hopefully soon. Um, and it's like one of those incredible, passionate, like, you know, meaningful stories that are part of our identity as Latinos, but like, I think, I think that I think the public is really gonna uh, hopefully love it. And, um, and I'm just so proud and so grateful to be part of it. And, you know, thank you for guys having me and being able to speak about it. So shout out to everyone. <laughs> thank Make you for dreams on. come true. Make your dreams come true. Yes. I yeah. love that. Absolutely. Yes. Thank you for coming on. You were a delight. Thank you for playing our trivia. Two out of three ain't bad. Wait, wait, I know. Yeah, two out of yeah, three means you won. You won trivia. You got Yay, two. Yay! I'm two thirds of a person. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! You know fractions. I don't. <laughs> he said he's good at math. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like you are good at math. You just use the fraction accurately. <laughs> Catherine, tell the lovely people where they can find you. On um, all socials, you can find me at Catherine G. Dot Mendoza. So that's at K A T H E R I N E G dot M E N D O Z A. It's my little Catherine dance. Yes. Are you going to shout out the Twitter or are you going to leave out your Twitter, Kathy? Oh, I, I forget that my Twitter is different. So yes. it's at Kathy, K A T H I E Grace G R A C. And it's, it's Kathy Grace 2 4 or is it Kathy Grace? They can, they look for Gina. Look for me. <laughs> and then you will find Catherine. We'll be back on that. <laughs> a Catherine version of Where's Waldo? And the book is Gina. Yes. <laughs> Where's Catherine? Where's Catherine? Somewhere on Gina's page. Yeah, singing to some ex. <laughs> singing to some ex angrily. <laughs> that's, that's the video I'll tag her in. I'll just tag her in a singing to my ex violently. Uh, you guys know you can find me at Gbrion on Instagram. You can check out uh, uh, my latest special, which is an hour special on Amazon called The Floor is Lava. Uh, it's on Amazon now. It's streaming. Go check it out. Uh, all you can check out my uh, half hour special on HBO called uh, Easily Offended. You can check that out. Um, you know, I always like to end the show with a piece of advice that my mom gives me to this day, uh, which is, you know, when life throws a lot at it at you at the same time, handle it one catastrophe at a time, people. One catastrophe at a time, everybody. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Moises. Thank you, Catherine. Thank you. 
and uh, we will see. We can't wait to watch Selena. We will let you know. We'll give you we'll give you our notes for sure. <laughs> Thank you for. I'll coming. be like, okay. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> You'll be like, block, delete. What is people? Cobardes? What? The, I love honey, it. those were photos and recuerdos. It's in the past. <laughs> That is amazing. <laughs> Thank you so much, guys. All right. Bye, everybody. Thank bye. you. Bye. 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 Yeah, do it like that. Yeah. You the kind of chick that's ready to fight back. Yeah. Looks damn good, but really she tight bad. Mm-hmm. Go to sleep, I call him my nightcap. Born killer. You a born killer. Mm. Go on, get him. Go on, go on, get him. Mm.